This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, <laughs> get some vitamin D, breathe、yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And today we're going to talk about、um, gout, kind of, and uric acid, things I don't really know anything about. So, Judy's going to kind of talk me through some of it. I get questions pretty often, actually, from people saying, you know, what about gout flare ups? I have gout. I can't eat red meat. I don't know much about it.、Um, But I do know that the information out there from most mainstream doctors and medical information is that red meat causes gout flare ups. Judy and I had the opportunity to listen to a really amazing presentation at Low Carb Boca that talked about uric acid, which is a part of gout.、Um, and then Judy has been doing a lot more research on it. So she has an interview that's coming out, or did it come out already? Yeah. Okay. So she has an interview. If you haven't listened to that、uh, interview, It will really go in depth about uric acid and it's like very deep into the science of it. And it's going to be really good information.、Um, so, if you have gout or know somebody that's concerned about it, that would be a really good episode to listen to that interview. What we want to do today is kind of bring it down to my level <laughs> of a way that I can understand it more basics if those are your concerns. So, whether you've heard that interview and it was above your head, like it would be mine, or you want some more basic information, I think that's what we're going to get into today.、Um, and so, in general, I keep hearing people talk about gout. I know it affects your joints, but I don't really know what it is、um, and you o k n what what happens with it. So, Judy, what is,、uh, what is gout? Before I explain gout, I do recommend that everybody that is eating meat based、um, and then adds a Decent amount of fruits or honey or even liver and other organs that they may want to watch this discussion with Dr. Richard Johnson just because it will actually impact your health and it may not impact it right away, but it can. Gout,、um, it's basically 
an inflammatory arthritis. And a lot of times it happens to be really where you feel like this sudden tenderness, uh, swollenness in your joints. Oftentimes it's because there's like crystallization in those areas. Um, From Dr. Johnson's interview, he basically says the reason why our toes are oftentimes where the attack happens is because our toes often get damaged from all the walking. And then it's easy for the crystals to just get lodged there. But uh, there are certain traits. So if you're a man, you're more susceptible. If you're um, an adult, you're more susceptible than children. And then if you're if you're a woman um, after menopause, you're more susceptible. And then obviously, if you are metabolically imbalanced. Um, if you have metabolic syndrome or you are overweight, you drink alcohol. And then we'll talk about all the nuances of if you eat excess fructose and then liver and things like that. But it also really depends on your family. So the whole thing is that the standard care says that if you have gout and you struggle with gout, then the big thing to do is to reduce your meat intake. because, And it's because of purines. And I'll explain that in a second. But as we do research, it's actually not really the purines. Purines absolutely has an effect on gout, but it's really the fructose. So the fructose is what really drives the uric acid levels to skyrocket. And then on top of that, um, you may never get gout because gout is always attributed to higher levels of uric acid. It's not always out of range, but some people are just more susceptible. But if you have higher uric acid levels, um, you're just more susceptible to gout. And then the reasons that high uric acid happens is either you drink too much alcohol, you have too many purines, which is in meats, and then also if you are eating too much fructose. So we actually, I've heard a lot of stories of people talking about their gout gout healing on a carnivore diet uh, and not too many of it flaring up. And so we'll kind of get into that. But um, just to, for, to help me clarify. So like everybody has uric acid in their body, yes. right? I do, even though I don't have gout, everybody has some level of uric acid in your body. So it's not that that's a bad thing. It's more the level of it. So can your uric acid ever be too low or is there like a, is, is there a lowest level that's, you know, is it too low or is are we only worried about too high? Okay, so uric acid gets really uh, nuanced. The standard recommendation is that anything above 5.5 is considered high. I haven't heard anything about it being too low, but I know that you do need some levels of uric acid. So my guess is if it's below the range of low, then it's probably not ideal as well. They say that most gout sufferers, though, can have gout um, even at five all the way up to maybe even nine. And so the higher you are, the more susceptible you can be to a gout flare. Now, if you're susceptible to even getting gout. I'll get into the nuances of what numbers for uric acid matter because it really is dependent on your diet. And so that's why I don't want to get into that now because it's going to get really nuanced. What I will say is that there are some medications that can also exacerbate gout. There's like diuretics, you know, a lot of people that have high blood pressure, they take those or beta blockers. All of these can actually exacerbate your triggers of gout. And then also the big thing is really your diet. So if you have hypothyroidism, if you have gout that runs in your family, and then also if you just have metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, high blood pressure, diabetes, all of these things contribute to um, the risk of getting gout flares. It's kind of one of those compounding factors of like, you have diabetes, you have high blood pressure, you're on these medications, and then gout happens. And it's kind of the snowball effect of all these metabolic conditions kind of build on each other. And once you have one, it's causing another and it's making things worse. When getting yourself into a healthier place, 
you know, we, Chris and I always talk about the fact that he had type two diabetes, but he also had this huge other list of compounding medications. He was on statins and high blood pressure medications, and he was on nerve medications and, you know, all these things that compounded when he was able to reverse that type two diabetes, a lot of those other conditions, um, reversed as well. Same thing, you know, for most people who are doing this is, I think sometimes when we zero in and focus on like fixing one specific issue versus on improving my health overall, we're, we're not really, I don't know, maybe like, okay, let me say that. Let me say it this way. If somebody is so concerned about their uric acid levels and their gout that they can radically change their entire diet to fix that one specific issue, they may not be addressing the whole issue or the big picture of your health. And so you're taking out the red meat because you're concerned about whatever uric acid you have. Well, then your, your, your diabetes is getting worse and your blood pressure is getting worse and these other factors are getting worse and you're not really helping that. So before we start addressing these individual nuanced circumstances that we have in our health, we need to focus on overall getting healthy, right? As healthy as possible. And then once you've gotten to a place of like almost great health, then you can almost dig into these little nuanced, what ways do I have to optimize or what small things do I need to adjust to take me the rest of the way there? But people have a lot of healing to yes. do, need to not get caught up in some of this nuance. This conversation, the nuance about fruit and liver do matter because I think it can affect people from healing. I think it will slow down the process. The only reason why I started looking into this was that when I first got into carnivore, everyone said gout heals on carnivore. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about red meat. Your kidneys will manage the excess protein. As I started working with more clients, I actually have a client that's almost wholly carnivore. And then he has gout flares. And we were trying to figure out what is going on. Now he takes some type of medications and supplements to lower the uric acid, but we couldn't figure out the trigger. And so that's where I started doing a lot more research and uric acid is a lot more nuanced. Just to kind of explain like, what is uric acid? I mean, what does that have to do with gout? Essentially, there are three mechanisms that can raise your uric acid levels. There is protein, which we call purines. And what purines are is essentially when you eat proteins, they break down to nitrogen. These substances have a lot of DNA and RNA. So when you're eating animals that have like tissues, they have a lot of DNA and RNA. And so when they break down, you have a lot of excess purines. The other way that you also get um, high levels of uric acid is fructose, and fructose is the biggest one. And then the other one is um, alcohol. So the whole thought is a lot of the research done prior was that gout is inflammation of the wealthy that um, that eat a lot of meat and then have a lot of sugar. So the goal was if you just reduce your meat content, then your uric acid levels will drop. But that is not the whole story. So if you look at the purine content in meat and muscle meats, they're relatively small compared to, let's say, liver. In the interview, Dr. Johnson keeps talking about sardines. And I'm a fan of sardines because they're rich in omega-3s. If you eat the ones with bones, there's a lot of calcium in it. But they are high in purines. That is a true statement. But they're not as high as liver. So if you've ever struggled with kidney disease or if you already struggle with gout, it's probably not a good idea to be eating liver because it's the highest in purines. Let me take a step back in terms of fructose. So fructose is the biggest driver in this whole uric acid cycle. And I'll talk about the nuances in that. But we have to understand that for some times, for some people, uric acid will be high if you eat a meat-only diet. 
but it gets really nuanced there. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Like I have higher than 5.5 uric acid all the time. And I've, I've checked fasted. I've checked eating less sardines or canned fish to see if that helps. I obviously don't really eat fructose. I really don't eat fruits, don't eat liver. So I didn't understand why. And there are some studies, and I talked to Dr. Johnson about it, and he's not worried based on my other metabolic panel about why my uric acid is high. Because I don't eat fructose, maybe that level of high uric acid is actually a protective mechanism to keep up my uh, glucose levels. I know that's a lot, but you can listen to the details in Dr. Johnson's interview. But all you have to understand is sometimes for meat only, when you are in a ketogenic diet where you are producing ketones and your blood sugar is normal, your inflammation levels are normal, your insulin's getting to be normal, then if your uric acid is high, it may be okay. If you're having symptoms, like then it would not be right. That's where sometimes like symptomology needs to matter. And the big picture of your health needs to matter more than one individual biomarker or lab yes. number. So that's where Dr. Johnson, for me, he's like, since you produce ketones, your blood sugar looks normal. I'm not as worried. There's another test he said that I could take to see if it is um an issue and it's called copeptin. You can get it at blood work centers. Not everyone carries it, but you can always do that as well just to make sure. But metabolically, he says, I'm not worried about you. That's the ultimate thing. But if I was eating fructose, it would be a different story. And this is where the concern becomes prevalent. You can have hyperuricemia, meaning high uric acid levels, and you don't have to be suffering from gout. That does not mean you're healthy. So in the world of people that actually eat fructose, which is pretty much everyone in the world, if you eat high fructose corn syrup, if you eat fruit, if you eat fruit juices, if you have anything that has fructose, half of table sugar is fructose. If you consume sorbitol, uh, sorbitol can create fructose within the body. Uh, glucose can produce fructose in the body. So essentially, if you're having any bit of sugar, you're having fructose. And so if my uric acid was high with my sugar consumption, then it would be a concern. And this is my concern for the carnivore community that's eating a lot of meats, which is high purine. And then oftentimes this community of people are also the people that eating liver. Well, that is an extra dose of purines. When they are adding that bits of fructose, it can cause metabolic syndrome. And that is what he's saying. It doesn't matter if you look good outside. Um, they did studies where there were rats and they gave them a low caloric diet. It was a pair of feeding study, meaning that everyone was fed the same. One group had fructose and the other group did not, but they were all eating low calorie diets. And none of them really gained weight. But the one group that was eating starches versus the group that was eating really high fructose, the high fructose, well, since again, they were eating low calories, none of them gained real weight. But when they tested everything metabolically, they were damaged. Um, fatty liver, diabetes, other markers that were showing illness. Some people will argue, well, that's a rodent study. It doesn't mean that it relates to humans. But Dr. Robert Lustig, he's another person, another doctor in the fructose conversation. And he has done a study with, I think it's children, where they fed them fructose versus the other group not eating fructose. And the people with fructose had metabolic syndrome. My my thing with the carnivore community and why I'm bringing all of this up is fine. Maybe maybe you're not getting toxic from liver with vitamin A. Maybe you don't care about you need more copper and so liver is not an issue. But if you're eating organ meats, especially liver, possibly kidney, and your purine content is high and then you're also eating meats and then if you eat some fish, they all have purines. And then on top of that, you're eating the fructose. And fructose then 
really stimulates that uric acid cycle, you may not be healing on a carnivore diet or a meat only diet because of that fructose load. Now, I'm not talking about just one fruit after a meal. He says that's probably pretty safe compared to our other load of fructose. But if you're having honey after every meal or you're having over 20 grams of fructose, which is very little. I mean, I think a cup of dates has more than 20 grams of fructose. So if you're having more than 20 grams of fructose, you may be hindering your healing. Yeah. And it's all compounding too. Like if you're eating the meat and you're eating the fruit and having that occasional glass of wine, or you're having the low carb drinks uh, occasionally, which I think a lot of people do, you know, all of those things combined are what's causing you to have those flares or to have the high uric acid and the gout and all those other uh, issues when let's think about the benefit of, you know, obviously eliminating alcohol is probably the easiest one because right. we know there's no benefit to it. But then having the things like the liver and the meat and the fruit, which of those can you cut out and still maintain your excellent health? You could cut out red meat, but then you're living on fruit and liver. And maybe that would help lower those purine levels, like you mentioned, but you're not getting all of the benefits that also come with the meat. And so cutting out the fruit is like a zero loss (laughs) issue where most people uh, do better without any fruit. Most of us can't moderate it, first of all you know, most people are dealing with some sort of metabolic syndrome already and having sugar in general is going to not help you reverse that or not help you heal from that. Um, And if you are looking for like quick burning carbs for crazy amounts of exercise, which again is not most people, there's other things that you can use that's not fruit and fructose. Um, It's really changed my outlook. I mean, our kids have never drank juice, thankfully. It's not just been something that's been in our house Uh, which I'm grateful for, but like the amount of fruit they consume is something that we've really been looking at Mm -hmm. lately and and treating it more like an actual dessert and an ice cream, not just a, you know, I mean, they don't snack anyway, but like, you know, people have to view these things as rare occasional treats or cutting them out entirely because you had a really great graphic that you posted a while ago that showed like what a fruit is looks like now versus what it looked like ancestrally. And like fruit has been modified so many times over and over again to make it sweeter and better. And like, we might talk about, yeah, I love eating seasonal berries, but I'm sorry, those strawberries that we get at Costco are the size of my face. <laughs> like, even if you're getting organic ones, they have still been, this is not what old time wild strawberries that I can pick on my grandparents' farm in the, you know, in the summer look like. It's just not the same thing. Um, nor is there that same sweetness. You, they make these grapes called cotton candy grapes yeah. that are literally modified and, and, uh, you know, they don't even have to call them like genetically modified. Right. They're just like bred yeah. over time to be sweeter. And so, you know, the, the need for fruit, um, it's pretty unfortunate the way that that's pushed in a lot of the communities. And you and I have not been shy about our thoughts on this entirely, but you know, even recently Joe Rogan did world carnivore month, but he did it with meat and fruit. Um, and we know that's kind of been a hot topic for people right now. So it's kind of why it's coming up again. I know in our world, but you know, cutting out the fruit is going to help lower those uric acid levels, help you reduce the purines. And then also um, you're able to keep all the benefits of maintaining the meat, you know, from nutritional standpoint. Yeah. And even if you ate just liver and fruit, I don't think it'll cut the purines because if you actually look at the numbers, um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but the, the amount in meat is negligible compared to the amount that's in sardines. And um, I think brewer's yeast is another one that's super high. So if you drink beer, you're getting the alcohol load and then you're getting the yeast load, which is excess purine. So 
alcohol, especially beer, is just really, really not ideal. But then if you eat liver, it's just one of the highest、um, levels for purines. But In terms of the fruits, so I saw this talk recently where they were talking about a banana and how every single banana that we get at the grocery store, it doesn't matter if it's organic, it doesn't matter if it's GMO, they're all bred the way that they are because the natural native banana has a bunch of seeds, it's not sweet, and there's really, really little meat on it. And we've bred them that if you look at the middle of the banana, there's these little black dots and those are the seeds that used to be really big. And we've just Made fruits to be super sweet. And think about、uh, tomatoes. They are getting sweeter and sweeter, especially the cherry tomatoes. They get sweeter and sweeter over the years. I think that we want to believe that fruits are super benign. And I think having one a day maybe will be okay. And again, it depends. My mom, if, as a diabetic, if she has fruit, her blood sugar starts skyrocketing again. And so it really depends on the person. My concern is that when we start introducing to a meat only diet,、um, adding fruit and that it's actually safe and healthy, it's not true. I mean, for some people, adding one fruit may be healthy. Maybe they'll get a little bit of fiber, the vitamin C they want, or whatever other benefits like the antioxidants or whatever other things you believe in. But in general, it's just a substance that gives us that kick in energy from sugar, and it's not ideal. We didn't talk about the mechanistic side of fructose. And basically, out of all the sugars,、um, fructose lowers the energy of our cells. And we, Dr. Johnson talks a lot about this about how it cuts down ATP and then it transforms it and then makes the、um, other energy sources not available to go back and produce more ATP. It's the only form of sugar and it might be the only form of energy that basically cuts down our energy. Within our cell. And so that's how bears are able to eat so much. Think about how a bear before winter starts feeling ravenous and it eats and eats and eats and then it's still hungry. And it's because every time they're eating berries, the fructose load makes、right. them not able to tap into their fat stores. And so they feel so ravenous. So they keep eating. And it's intentional. This uric acid cycle, this whole model is to protect us when food is. Limited. And so that's where the bears are able to eat so much and store it as fat. And then later, as they're hibernating, they could use that fat and the uric acid levels go down. They're not consuming fructose and that becomes energy that they've stored. So that is good in that perspective. When we long ago lived and we didn't have this bounty of food that's at the grocery store and fruits available 24 7, we needed that and we could use our ketones and fatty acids for energy. But now, We're constantly eating fructose and that makes us super hungry. It causes insulin resistance and we can't tap into the food stores because of this mechanism and this pathway he calls the polyol pathway or this thing he calls the switch where you're basically no longer able to tap into your fat stores and you're now dependent on this fructose. And so your body's like, I need more food. And so what happens is it naturally makes you eat more and then you end up gaining weight. And so one thing we see with a lot of the The people that were carnivore and they're like, I need to add fruit, they gain a little bit of weight and they're like, I feel so much better. Well, why didn't you just gain that weight on carnivore and add more fat or do less fasting or work out less? Like, how do you know it was the fruit addition or just that you were choosing to not eat? Because that we do see that issue a lot is where people are just under eating or、uh, end up restricting so much fat to get lean、uh, or over exercising in combination with that under eating that that's what causes a lot of issues. I think. That's especially coming from people who were never obese and who were never 
that metabolically damaged to begin with are the ones that we often see. There are people, I met a girl uh, yesterday who has this incredible story of like reversing her congenitive, uh, all of her congenitive tissue disorders and she's healed herself and she had lost so much weight because her, she woke up every single morning and she threw up and she couldn't keep food down and like carnivores completely healed her. And she's not doing this because she wants to do this or likes eating meat all the time. You know, we sometimes we forget that people are doing this for other reasons than that. Because the majority of us were just eating like it was, you know, right before winter, a bear right before winter for the last 20 years. That's me, right? I've been doing this for that long. Um, But there are people like her who needed to gain weight who weren't in that position. And so she's able to eat mostly meat and has healed herself by increasing her fats. And now, now she's at a point where she's able to eat a little bit of fruit because she realized that didn't trigger her and it's helping her to gain some weight. But, you know, the people who are, successful at incorporating in that are not the ones who were coming from a place of metabolic damage when you're looking at things like obesity and uh, type 2 diabetes. Like we're the ones who I've eaten my fair share. I'm ready to take a break for the next 20 years before my body's ready to handle that again, maybe. I mean, I always say this, but most people that come to carnivore, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so they want to try this in a way that they can heal. And when they hear that they need fruit for thyroid or health or for their hormones and that fruit is good for us in terms of our metabolic health and our cellular energy and our mitochondria, it's not what the science shows. And um, Dr. Johnson is not only a fructose specialist, he's a kidney disease doctor. So he came into this whole world because he was trying to figure out why do my clients suffer from blood pressure? For Dr. Perlmutter, Dr. Richard John, their premise is really that a lot of this blood pressure is stemming from chronic kidney disease that we are unaware of. They did, there was this one study where um, people that died of, I guess, effects from high blood pressure, 90% of them had some even mild case of kidney disease. So oftentimes the blood pressure is just an effect of having metabolic syndrome. And one way that our, that whole process gets stimulated is this uric acid cycle. And to say to people that were metabolically imbalanced or that had kidney disease or had liver disease to then eat purines and then eat a lot of fruit and then eat like honey, those are the things that are right. actually going to keep them stalling, possibly gain weight, suffer with mental addiction still with food and not allow them to heal when carnivore can be so healing if you just allowed it to do what it's naturally supposed to do. One thing he also brought up that I wanted to bring up is I've heard a lot uh, when I brought up vitamin A and vitamin A toxicity that people say, well, livers can't store toxins. And um, Dr. Richard Johnson is also a infectious disease board certified specialist. So I said that to him and he's like, livers can't store toxins. Um, And then he brought up a bunch of fish. So he talked about different fish eating from a plant that then they the plant had toxins. And then the fish ate it stored it in the liver. And then the animal after animal ate it until the human ate it. And then the human got poisoning from the fish in their liver. So he said it really nicely, because he's a really nice person. But he said, uh, liver can store (laughs) toxins. And I was like, I know, but it's the mantra around our community is that livers don't store toxins. But I also brought up to him that even if It's just a filtration system. When you process an animal, how do you know what part of that processing it's at when you are processing it, right? At one point or another, there will be toxins in a liver. And again, I just think maybe in small doses, it's okay. Maybe if you've been super malnourished, but there are just so many things that you have to worry about with liver, with the vitamin A, with the copper, with the not um, having good liver health. And then now these purines, I think it's just worrisome and it's just 
ideal to be more cautious with liver, with organ meats, and then also with fruit. And um, especially if you're trying to heal from metabolic syndrome, if you are keeping in fruit or any even sorbitol, which are artificial sweeteners, uh, you can look at the back and see if it says sorbitol um, or a derivative of sorbitol that will also produce fructose in the body. All of these things can just stall your metabolic healing. Yeah. So what are other, so cutting out ways to reduce people's, you know, uric acid, if they already have high uric acid and if they're, you know, cutting, they need to cut these things out of their diet. What else uh, can they be doing? And this, this part of it is not vetted fully in the science because Dr. Richard Johnson isn't a hundred percent certain why my uric acid is high if I have ketones. So I think a protective mechanism can be that you are in ketosis. So if you have high uric acid and you're doing a carnivore diet, I would check your ketones. If you don't produce any ketones, that can be a concern. Um, it is true that when you are producing beta hydroxybutyrate or ketones, they compete to be expelled from your body. So then it's natural you're going to have a little bit more uric acid. Dr. Johnson also says that uric acid balances so that your glucose doesn't drop too low since you're not really eating carbs. So in that sense, your uric acid may be okay being high, but again, you would have to check your ketones and just get a full metabolic panel. And then also, like Laura said, go with your symptomology. If you're not feeling well, then you may want to check and you may want to still reduce your uric acid levels. At a certain point, he would even be concerned for me about my uric acid levels. So he just wants me to keep it under a certain amount. And so but the other thing is, it's really interesting, is that dehydration can actually produce fructose in the body. He talks about how when our bodies are dehydrated, um, when it senses that there's too low of water, it will then retain fat or produce fat by producing fructose within the body. He says that's why camels have those humps. It's not fully water, it's actually fat. And that in case it gets uh, dehydrated in the desert, it will then break down that fat. And when fat breaks down, it actually produces water. It was so fascinating. So he said, that's interesting. Yeah. So he says, if anything, if you're worried about your uric acid, and you want to drop it, if you don't want to change anything dietary about your meat only diet, then you may want to just drink more water. Because when your body feels dehydrated, it will start producing more fructose to tell your body to store more fat. And the storage of fat will then when it melts, will produce water so you're not dehydrated. Would you then uh, recommend adding salt to that water so you're not like flushing your electrolytes out too much? Like if you're trying to drink more water, you have to be able to kind of store a little bit of that water. Would you, is that part of the logic of adding salt to things? I asked him about salt and blood pressure, and he said salt does make your blood pressure go up, but it's not the salt specifically. It's the density of salt in your blood. So if you just drink water with that salt, it balances it out, and blood pressure will not really go up with salt. As long as there's enough water, I think adding salt is good. You're going to have to find that baseline because he says himself that the imbalance of density of the salt within your blood is what will cause the blood pressure to go up and down. And so that's why I think some people are just more sensitive to salt. You got to figure that out yourself. My thing is a lot of carnivores, there's even that thought of, oh, drink to thirst. And if you're not thirsty, don't drink water. I think that's a mistake in the carnivore community. When we eat like Chinese food or MSG food, we get really thirsty and we drink more water. There is no signal in us that's causing us to drink water. When we're fasting, when we're in ketosis and we taste it on a breath, we rarely need a drink of water. But he recommends at least eight glasses of water. I think half of your body ideal body weight is ideal. If you're having a stall, you may just want to make sure and drink enough water because your body may be producing fructose within the body to then signal to store your fat 
so that you don't get dehydrated. That's crazy. Somebody give me a glass of water. Well, crazy. So you're talking about, you said half your body weight. So let's say somebody weighed 150 pounds, right? Then how much I should drink 150 ounces of water? No, half of your uh, body weight in ounces. So you said that. So 75. Okay, cool. So I actually try to go by your ideal body weight. And I don't mean like model thin waif ideal body weight. I mean like a realistic body weight. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you drink half of your body weight in that way, um, I highly recommend it. And I wonder also if that's why people enjoy eating fruit on a carnivore diet, right? So you eat fruit, which has more water than technically meat. And then on top of that, you're eating fructose, which then will store the fat as water. And so it's it's just wild on so many levels. Yeah, that's so crazy. I hadn't heard that before. That's, I mean, I do know, you know, the the you're so right. The mantra of like only drink when you're thirsty mm-hmm. um, is just is all anybody ever talks about. And I think, you know, we've gotten past this, like you have to chug a gallon of water and you don't have to be, you know, forcing, you don't have to like force yourself down, but there is still a balance where you have to make sure that your body's properly hydrated. Um, and, and like you said, it depends on your salt intake and it depends on kind of what you're eating and what that's triggering you for. I know we always get into water. You and I are, because I drink so much water when I'm eating. I just, I don't know why, but like, I just drink so much and, and, uh, it's, you always remind me that it's not good for you (laughs) or like, you're so good about not drinking water, like only taking a couple sips, but that's all for gut health. That's a different purpose altogether. But if you don't have any gut issues, maybe it's okay for you. Right. So at this point, I think it's because my clients always complain, okay, Judy, you don't want me to eat by my meals, but you want me to drink enough water. When am I going to drink my water? Right. So I, I understand it's figuring out that balance. If you, if you can drink water during your meals and you don't feel like upper GI bloat, you know, burping and digestive issues, then maybe it's okay for you. I, I, I don't think we have to be exactly precise. I think it's beneficial to drink enough water. And um, the other thing is if you're eating sweeteners, so if you feel like you're stalling in weight, depending on your sweetener, and he, we didn't talk specifically about all the different sweeteners that can do it, but he is not a fan of sweeteners for the same reason. So if you are eating a lot of fructose foods and then adding a bunch of sweeteners, some of those sweeteners convert from sorbitol to fructose. Um, that's another way that your body may be storing fat. Whenever your body, whether it's consuming fructose or producing fructose within the body, it's telling the body it's time to lower our energy and conserve it. So we need to store fat because it's winter. Winter is coming. So if you're stalling on a carnivore diet, you may just want to remove some of the sweeteners. I don't think all the sweeteners do it, but um, you may want to try certain ones. Well, it's that elimination diet element or yeah. looking at the compounding elements. So t- cutting out everything to baseline and then trying one for a little while and seeing how it affects you. And then, you know, maybe try a different one. Uh, but until you've been able to individual or like individually identify things, you don't really know how it's affecting you uh, or which ones are causing your issues. Yeah. And then he also mentioned um, dried fruits are really not ideal. And I was surprised by that. And then after I realized what it makes sense, because one, they're, since they're so small, you could, you're going to eat a lot more. So that's one. And then I think the right. fiber content goes down in the dried fruits. So the benefit of having fiber to slow down the fructose load diminishes as well. And then obviously, he's not a fan of honey just because it's a liquid, meaning that it, it gets absorbed really quickly. And then also um, that it's more fructose than anything. One thing I forgot to mention is that he said, the fructose load really matters when you have it, how much you have it, and how you're having it. If you are having like a can of soda or a can of Coca-Cola, as soon as you wake up on an empty stomach and you chug it in five minutes, that's the biggest signal to the body that there's this huge fructose load and it's time to store fat. If you have a like a small 
a small cup of cranberries right after a fully meat-based meal with lots of fat, and that's the only fructose you have, the absorption will be much slower and it's not on an empty stomach. So these things also mm. matter. So you said to the morning Coca-Cola, you're talking about a regular one, yes. but some diets might impact you the same way, depending on how your body's reacting to that type of sweetener. Yes, but the load is so much smaller. So he will argue okay. that, yes, maybe the diet soda can produce a little bit of fructose, but he says the amount compared to like a regular soda, like regular soda right. has like 20 something grams of fructose. It's a whole different ballpark. Right, right. Yeah. Hopefully people are not drinking that type of stuff with that sugar. Yeah. Or, uh, but, but I will say this, you're talking about Coca-Cola. If people are having fruit juice it's the same thing. and they think that it, because it's a fruit, it's the same thing. So you wake up in the morning and there's a huge community of people that like have their big glass of orange juice first thing in the morning and yeah. then eat meat the rest of the day. You're still compounding all of those issues and you're giving yourself that big fructose spike, spike first thing in the morning. The other thing is he talked about exercise. So he says, ironically, um, if you do excess exercise, it produces more uric acid. And if you think about when we're exercising a lot and we're breaking down muscle, um, that can produce more DNA and RNA waste. And that produces more uric acid, more purines. So excess exercise, like too much exercise, and obviously that will depend on the person, that can produce higher levels of uric acid, and then moderate levels of exercise can reduce your levels of uric acid. And the I think the basic reasoning is that when you exercise, you produce nitrogen oxide or nitric oxide, and nitric oxide competes with uric acid. So it helps to reduce the uric acid load. If you think about a lot of these things that I just brought up, there was a community of people that ate liver, had fruit, exercised a lot. And then they're saying they're feeling better, but sure, they're getting stimulants from the foods that they're eating. But I wonder if they are sabotaging their health long term, because again, I mentioned the study with that even though people don't gain weight, their internal organs are showing signs of disease. And that's the part that's really concerning for me. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think over time, people are going to see the negative results of that. I think the last thing I want to touch upon is just um, making this real life to you guys. If you eat, I believe it's about 20 grams of fructose um, in a day and anything excess of that may be too much for your body. Your fructose is mostly absorbed by the liver and then sometimes in your intestines and a few other places. And then remember again, if you have too much glucose, the excess glucose will also get converted in that sorbitol pathway to then fructose to help your body maintain the blood sugar. So when you're using CGMs to check your blood sugar, remember that's glucose you're checking, you're not checking fructose. So you can have a food that has a lot of fructose, but not checking um, the glucose levels. And so your CGM may represent or show a lower number than is what's actually going metabolically in your body. But just to give you a reference, um, one banana has seven grams of fructose. A cup of blueberries has seven and a half grams of, blue, um, of fructose. One apple has nine and a half. One pear has 12. A quarter cup of raisins has 12. One cup of grapes has 12. Uh, half a mango has 16. Guys, half a cup of mango. One cup of... Half a, wait, a half a cup of mango or a half of a mango? Sorry, half a mango. That's still, that's crazy. Yeah, that's still, like, I mean, people are eating whole ones. I know. A cup of dry figs has 23. And just to give you also a breakdown of sugar. So sugar is sucrose, which is half fructose, half glucose. If you're eating high amounts of sugar, then half of it will be 
used as fructose. And then the other half that's glucose, if you're using or eating excess glucose, even that amount of glucose can then convert, be converted more to fructose. Sugar is 50% fructose. Honey is 52.5% fructose. Maple syrup is 49%. Apples is 90% fructose. Oranges are 70% fructose. Mangoes, as much as we just mentioned it's super high in fructose, it's 58% fructose. So there's still a lot of glucose in that. So if people are wearing a CGM and then they're like, oh, look, I had this orange. It's no big deal because my glucose didn't go up. Well, 78% of the reaction of that is going to be fructose right. and isn't registering on that CGM. Yep. So you're having this huge impact to your body that you're just not even aware of. Exactly. And tropical fruits are higher in fructose. So I know there's some people that say tropical fruits don't really mess with their CGM. Well, that's because it doesn't read it. <laughs> Thank you. You can, I can say it. You know, I I really wanted to share this information because I'm not dogmatic. I just care about the people and getting people better. I'd say that of the carnivore community, I work with some of the most willing to get better or that are ill and that just want to get better. And that even decision of should I eat pork or fruit or beef is not even an option for them, that they can only eat certain foods. Otherwise, they'll be keeled over on the couch. I think of those people when I share my content because Sure, if you're metabolically healthy or you're young, maybe you could tolerate a little bit of fructose. Maybe you could do a little bit of the cranberries after a meal. But ideally, it's not that good for you based on a lot of the research from Dr. Johnson. And he has 700 publications, um, probably even more than that. So I highly recommend listening to the podcast and all the nuances he talks about. I'm sure he can articulate it way better than me. But it's, it's scary because... If you're doing fruit and meat only now and you think you're healing, you may not be if you're not measuring the right things. If you're just checking glucose or A1C, they might look okay. You might feel okay because you're getting a stimulant in your body for now. But I I dare say maybe in a year or maybe in two years, if you keep eating lots of meat, lots of liver and lots of fruit, is your health the same as when you started before that? And I... I'm concerned that a lot of people that start with metabolic syndrome, um, they're, they're running a risk when they think that they're doing all they can to be healthy. That podcast interview you did with him is several hours. I know you recorded like multiple hours, but it's several hours long. And so if you really, this is obviously a more my level conversation of it all, but if you really want to dig deep into it, uh, it's important that you kind of understand all aspects of it make sure that you have all the all the information because like Judy said, he references all the sources and they're really going to get into um, a lot of the science behind it all. Um, the one that just came out is just the first part. The first part talks pretty much about the fructose in the liver. The second part is going to talk about salt um, and the blood pressure and the stuff that we were talking a little bit about today. But make sure to check that out. If you are feeding your kids a lot of fruit because you think it's healthier than fruit juice, which it is, but if you're feeding a lot of it at a certain point, too much can still be a bad thing. Yeah. And um, and I dug that deep into that with um, Dr. Johnson. He first said, I'm a fan of fruit. I think it's fine. I talked to Dr. Perlmutter and he's like, "I'm uh, for the record, I'm okay with fruit. But when I dug into the details with Dr. Johnson, he's like, you're right. You can have too much fruit. Well, hopefully people are able to figure out what's best for them and what they need. Yep. Cool. Let's wrap this up. I want to go sit in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. 
We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.